Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives every day. We thank you that you've given us each day for rejoicing and gladness. And we thank you for this day, Lord. We are going to use it to your glory. We're going to do things that will glorify you. We're going to be led by your spirit, uh, but led by the unction of the spirit. Thank you, Lord, for understanding, for guidance, wisdom, maturity, instruction, everything that comes with understanding your word. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I think the Lord wants me to tell you something. Miss Vicky. Yeah. She's <laughs> just smiling. And then when we said, oh, Miss Vicky, you said, oh, no. The Lord says he's got a hook in your jaw. You see, he's got a big hook in your jaw, as a matter of fact. And he says that hook is intercession. And he said, I've called you to intercede. And in a big way is what he's saying. And he says that, that, Sometimes you wrestle, he said, you wrestle with this sometimes. Now this, this is, I don't know the details, but the Lord is saying, he says, as you wrestle, you just get more hooked. And he wants you to, he's gonna wrestle you down and hook you in a big way. Because he says, I have big things to do. He said, intercession is the ministry. It's not the foundation of the ministry. It's not part of the ministry. Intercession is the ministry. He says, and I have called you to be big in intercession because it's a big ministry and it's a big job. He said, it's undercover, but it's big. And he says, I've got you hooked now. And he said, the more you wrestle, the deeper the hook goes. And so he says, but you're going to see that it will turn out to be bigger and more than you ever expected it to be, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. So yeah, intercessions of a pri- is a private thing many times, but it's privately important. Very, very big. So it's, um, yeah, so praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I wanted to thank our helpers today. My, my girls, Lachey and Gabby, amen. My hospitality helpers, amen. <laughs> so you can take your respective naps, right? <laughs> These young folk, I mean, like my mother used, y'all young folk, y'all ain't, y'all can't make it out. Y'all done already. That's old folk and go and go and go. Uh, but that's that's all right. I appreciate. It. Yeah, they did that little job so fast. I said, "Oh my goodness, my head swam." So it's a blessing. I thank you, ladies, very much, very much. You're good helpers. So praise God. So today we're going to talk about gospel faith. I wasn't sure what to call this faith lesson, but I said gospel faith. Amen. <clears throat> because there is a faith that comes from the gospel. Amen. That's that's where our faith comes from. The faith of the saints, uh, the faith that's talked about in the Bible, the New Testament, all of that is is it's gospel faith. And it emanates from the word of the gospel. Amen. Uh the good news, the 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 
gospel of the kingdom, gospel of peace, gospel of repentance, gospel of, of uh, faith in God. And so as this gospel is preached, faith goes out. And that is what we need to understand that there's going to be very little faith without the preaching of the gospel. Amen. And um, I, I think when you start thinking about it, we'll, we'll begin to understand so many things about the time in which we live, uh, where we're going, where we're headed, and what God wants us to be involved in uh, as believers. Amen. We are believers in God. And we are definitely believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so I thought we would start there. I was looking up the word faith, you know, just F-A-I-T-H, not variations of it, faithful, faithfulness. Uh, <clears throat> and I found out that it's only used a couple of times in the Old Testament. So faith really is a New Testament concept, just like the word love, agape. Um, the God kind of love in in the Old Testament, you'll see loving kindness is a way to express the love of God, tender mercies. Uh, but this agape love comes in the New Testament, and it shows up um, when Jesus Christ began to preach. Amen. And so it it is part of the gospel package. Is the love of God? It, it's part of it. So so. The gospel really starts out with love. It starts out with the love of God. And a, a love that had never been seen before. Because this was a new word that was added to the, the Bible when Jesus began to preach about it. Amen. And so it's very, very important for us to understand that some things had their origin. See, when you think about this, you think about maybe this is why Jesus is preaching revolutionized the world. It upset the known uh, spiritual world. Whether it was belief in the, the gods of the Greeks or the Romans or uh, the gods of, <clears throat> of the, the um, Israelites, you know, the spiritual, I'm, I'm sorry, the religious uh, structure that was around during that day, it began to upset everything because it was brand new. And people said that. They said, I've never seen anything like this before. So when the love of God starts to operate in a life and they've never seen it before, it will revolutionize that that person's life. It's supposed to. See, we're supposed to get the same results and the same reaction, the same everything that Jesus got, because we're preaching his gospel. We're preaching his word. And so we're going to have repeat situations where thousands, multitudes of people will follow that word. Multitudes of people will desire what we have. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Never, never doubt the effectiveness of the gospel. Never doubt. Never doubt. You might doubt your your ability to be a good preacher or a available preacher or something like that. But once that word goes out, never doubt its power and its effectiveness. Because it will be effective. You will get the same effectiveness with your preaching of the gospel that everybody else gets that has ever preached it. 
you know, I know we tar- we like to, you know, applaud certain people. You know, oh, someone was a great preacher, and but but that's really not true. They got great results because of who confirmed their words. See, the results are always God. Now, there are some people that are more faithful, more prayerful, uh, more um, visionary and wanting to complete a vision that they have from God. Um, but numbers don't really mean anything as far as the human being is concerned. Because in numbers, the glory goes to God for when you get big numbers, when your numbers are small, you can still give God glory. You don't have to have, you know, hot and cold running people running around everywhere to think you're doing a great job in God. You understand? It, it's all about fulfilling the vision and the call that God has put before you. The results are always His. See? The results don't belong to us. Um, you know, as much as we make ourselves available sometimes, um, we may not get as many opportunities as some people do. And who knows why? I mean, you could say you pray more or, or you're more faithful or he opens more doors for this reason, but you don't really know that. You really don't. And so we just want to go through the doors God opens for us. And I think if everybody could be faithful doing their part, then we'll get the job done. And 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 want to do your part for the right motive. You understand what I'm saying? You want to please God. You want to be where God wants you to be. You want to be faithful to what he's given you to do. So so the fact that the word faith appears uh, abundantly in the New Testament gives us a clue to the fact that this faith is gospel faith. So when we talk about uh, our faith, we're talking about gospel faith that comes as a result of the preaching of the gospel. Habakkuk 2 really is the first time in the Old Testament, this is in a, a allusion to New Testament faith, where uh, uh, in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, the just shall live by faith. And some translations uh, translated his faith. So we're talking about a future faith, and, and Habakkuk really is a prophetic book. It, it tells of a time in the future uh, that the prophet was looking at, and he was able to see a lot of different things. He saw destruction coming, but at the end, he saw the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So that would put it over into the New Testament. Amen. Because if the earth is being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the seas, the only way God has orchestrated for that to happen is through the preaching of the gospel. See, somebody's got to put that word out there for people to have faith in it and for God's glory to get distributed and cover the earth. So really what what Habakkuk was saying is the just person shall live by his faith. And and the the faith then is what will propel his glory forward. So if each person is out here living by faith, if you're talking about the faith of the son of God, then that's going to increase and multiply each each 
ear that hears and each heart that receives. So really he's, he's alluding to the spreading of God's power through the preaching of the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God. Amen? And so when it, when it is preached, power is released and glory is released. And the earth gets filled with the knowledge of the glory, like the waters cover the seas. God is, 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 I think right now, he's in dangerous mode. And he's in stealth mode. Amen. Because there are many, many things that are going on undercover that aren't revealed yet. That when they are revealed, they are going to explode. Amen. Because that's gotta be true. Because all of the visible things that we as, as church people know about don't exist anymore. I'm going to say it again. All of the visible things that we church people are familiar with don't exist anymore. Churches aren't open. People aren't going into the, the body of Christ or believers, the people that used to go to church aren't, aren't there anymore. But yet, the world hasn't fallen apart. God's kingdom is still advancing. By faith, we know that. Amen? It has to be because it increases. It, it This is an ever-increasing kingdom. So it's increasing whether we see it by the naked eye or not, or whether we see visible signs or not. His kingdom is still increasing. And so I think it's in advance mode. It's in stealth mode. People that used to be in the forefront, you know, they're not household names anymore. You understand? Everything's kind of like gone quiet. You know, there are times and seasons for everything. And like I'm sure there was a season for the mega church because it was prophesied. But after it came, it went lukewarm, just like the non-megachurch did. This is a big, bigger crowds of lukewarm people. Amen. But there, are, you know, it's like you can pick up, like, say, for instance, <laughs> my peoples, <laughs> whichever, whichever people I'm talking about. Amen. Um, but Native Americans lived a lot by feel, by vibrations. They could could sense things. They could put their ear to the ground and tell you how long it would take for them horses that they heard nobody else could hear to get get to where you are now. And if they were close, you better get to running, even though you couldn't hear them yet. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is this is the world of the spirit, where if you keep your ear to the ground, so to speak, you can feel the vibrations and you can sense that something's going on. The fact that churches are closed and people aren't trying to get them open and they aren't upset about them being closed and it's not the end of the world kind of thing. I mean, it's not pleasant, but the world's still here. So we must know that God is still holding it up. 
he's not holding it up the way we thought he was holding it up. See, we thought our prayers and our worship and our mega churches were doing everything. But now that they're shut down, we know that wasn't true. And so every now and then you'll get a little vibe here and there. And you say, okay, well, God, whatever you're up to, I don't know what it is. But I sense you're doing something. See, he's doing it in the hearts of people who are yet to be revealed by him as being part of his kingdom. And I think he's doing it in the hearts of people who have held on to the vision of the earth being filled with the knowledge of his glory, even though they haven't seen it yet. They still hold it in their hearts that it's coming. And we see little trickles of it. We see little things to encourage us here and there that it's it's in the works. You know, sometimes you can tell by certain Certain types of messages and certain types of music and and uh, um, things of that nature, you can pick up a little vibe and you think, "Hmm, God's up to something," because this this is this is that. See, this is correcting that. This is putting this that that uh, song, "Holy Water." Now it has yet to really catch on to to the way it's it's going to catch on. But that's the gospel. It's the gospel of repentance. You got to be forgiven, you got to be washed, you got to be clean. This is a it, but see, to me, that's the answer to the seeker-friendly thing we've been through. Come on somebody. See, seeker-friendly is you come to church and, and we get around to telling you about Jesus saving you one day. But right now, we don't want to turn people away. Because we're working on building numbers right now. So you'll eventually hear something. But but they think preaching the gospel is offensive. They think telling people if they don't repent... The kingdom is not open to them. And they let you in and preach to you a feel-good, happy message. Well, God shut that down. I mean, that got shut down with everything else that's been shut down. So God's already spoken how he feels about that. Then you get some people that just are hungry for something from God. And they're crying out to be forgiven. Oh, okay. Well, that fixes the the seeker friendly. I mean, in my mind, I know I don't think like y'all do, but that's okay, huh? But see, God, if something's wrong and it's off off kilter, God's got to fix it. So He fixes it by having a bunch of people cry out for holy water. And he's not saying it to to massage the Catholics. He's saying it as a real response to the way you're supposed to feel when you get saved. Not come and sit in a seeker-friendly atmosphere for years and never know the gospel, never hear the gospel. 
See, that's why there's there's little gospel faith out there from time to time. It draw it it dries up because we quit preaching the gospel. We quit preaching the message. We quit preaching the message of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Amen. And so God wants the gospel preached. It's real simple. It's very simple. I thank God for people who continue to pass out, you know, the chick tracks. Remember them? We used to all pass out and then we got wisdom and all this kind of stuff. I thank God for people who still, that's where the gospel's being preached. You know, the whole story is being, being shared. Amen. I was looking at uh, the other day. Um, I found a, a interview, Richard Roberts interviewed Dog the Bounty Hunter. Some years ago, I guess, maybe a, maybe a year or two. Yeah, it's been recent. But he, he tells a story of the fact that he met him several years ago. He and his children, his family was in Hawaii. And they stopped by and met Dog. And then his then wife, late wife, Beth, were, were uh, married. And they were in their, their bail bond business. And, and I used to, that, that program used to stump me until I got out of my religious head and started listening, asking God what was going on. You know, you look at stuff and you turn it on and <gasps> they're praying. How dare they pray? Well, anybody can pray. I got news for you. God's available to everybody. Well, it looks like God's answering their prayers. And so, Dr. Bounty Hunter, Beth passed away, I think it's been almost two years ago now. Um, very young. She's only like 50, 51 years old. Um, but he was sharing how he had prayed and asked God if he's supposed to ask for a, a wife, a girlfriend. So he prayed and God said, okay. He said, I went through the word and I found this. And he sounds like somebody who just stumbles through spiritual things. But this man knows God. And he was sharing things. And I thought to myself, I said, gee, to look at him from, for what we saw on television, you could see where this, this is probably true some, but you never knew the depths of his dependence on God. And his understanding that God would come through for him. Hello, faith. That's faith. That's what we run and buy all these tapes and books for and gobble up everybody's teachings on it and listen to the videos and all that kind of stuff day in and day out. This man has a working definition operation of faith in his everyday life. And he said, yeah, you know, when, when we got this program, we asked A&E if we could pray in Jesus' name. And they said, you can only do it once on the show. So he said, that's what they did. And he said they did a survey and asked people which parts of the show they enjoyed the best. And he said, I thought for sure they would say when we chase the, the criminals and catch them. He said, we like what y'all do in the back seat of your, your SUV. When you pray for people. Now, now check this out. I'm sitting watching when I've watched the show in the past. And I'm good until they break out the cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Praying with a cigarette in the back seat of a blessed room. 
But there's hardened criminals. And they're weeping. You wish you could get some tears out of the saints sometimes. In their backslidden condition. We need to be weeping. Hardened criminals just don't weep on their own. Unless they begging to get out the back seat of the SUV. But they're stuck back there and they've got to listen now. And I thought, God, what a perfect plan. And he said, he said, yeah, I, I would just tell God. He said, I could never catch anybody without him. So I asked, what do I do with them once I catch them? He said, and that's what God told me to do. So I took my little religious spirit off as best I could. <laughs> you know, I, you try to hold on to a little bit of it just for sanity's sake, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, wow. You know, you kind of think God's involved some, but you don't understand how God orchestrates things. And he uses us. As we're available. And see what he's looking for is availability. Many times we could be available as believers. But we're barking up the wrong tree. We want somebody to give us a a certificate. And a title. And a building. When all we need to do is just go catch fish. You know, just go prophesy to fish and tell them the good news that Jesus Christ loves them and wants them to turn away from the life that's killing them every day. Amen. And so it's, I say that to say God's up to something, folks. So then Dog the Pounty Hunter announces, he says, oh yeah, he said, you know what? He said, I thought to myself, he said, God gave me this vision a long time ago. He said, he showed me preaching in tents, huge tents full of people. And he said, I thought to myself, it's time. See, you never know who's under construction because you're not the master builder. See, we're all works under construction, but we're not the master builder. It would be a blessing if most ministers could understand their call and their development as well as this man can. You understand what I'm saying? Finally, he's almost 70 years old. He says it's time. When most ministers are thinking about retirement, when they get, you know, enough people in the church to know they're comfortable. He's just getting started. He's dating this woman that, that's a Christian. He says, yeah, I, I didn't think she was for me at first. He said, I'm 5'7". She's like 5'10". <laughs> he said, she's real skinny, you know. <laughs> you know, I said, not his type, in other words. But but God put them together. He said, I, I knew I had to have a, a strictly Holy Ghost-filled woman to help me in what I'm called to do. You understand what I'm saying? This man's got more sense and more discipline than 
You know, I, I hate to keep comparing, but my goodness, this is what messes your head up. You know, when you think you got it all figured out, then God shows up and starts doing something and showing you what he's doing. It totally messes your head up. And so we pray for his success. Amen. Because he has a vision. He said, I look around. He said, these young people, he said, they're hungry for the gospel. They're hungry for God. You understand what I'm saying? And we sit in the church and see young people going out. He sees them coming in. I think I like his vision better. You understand what I'm saying? I think I like his vision better. Amen. And so you, you start to, to want to sow into that. Want to encourage that. Want to see that happen. Cause here's somebody that's got a, a vision for God having success getting people into the kingdom. And that's what we all want to see. Amen. And I'm not going to fight with him over theology, over behavior, over what it looks like, over anything. Cause when it comes to him, I've been wrong so many times. I'm just going to let God be God. You see what I'm saying? We just let God be God around here. Amen. And marvel at it. It's his doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Amen. God wants to blow some, some minds. So these are stealth things. These are hidden things. These are our seeds beginning to sprout that God's been working on. Amen. And the reason he didn't let us know sometimes is he didn't want us to interfere and mess it up. Amen. You know, I would look at dog praying with his family. I said, well, he certainly is a covering for that family. I said, because God shows up and he honors this man's prayers. But it bugged me some. They weren't consistent in church. Now I see that. Why? You have to be consistent in God. You understand what I'm saying? You need to be consistent in God. And the Lord showed me. He said, don't be such a hypocrite. He said, this is how you got started. He said, for many years, you didn't have enough patience to sit in a church service. You know, you get phobic and want to run out. He said, and, and I could have planted you in a church. He said, but I start, decided to teach you some things myself first. So by the time I got in church, the religious people couldn't steal it from me because I knew it was working already. And see, I'm not the only one God does stuff like that with. Because if you're in an atmosphere and you're, you're learning the things of God in a season where there's more religion than there is truth and power and real faith, he'll keep you secluded until he gets enough in you so he knows you're going to be able to survive all of that. Amen. And when it came, it was, it came. Boy, you got in with all the jealous folk. You got in with all the crazy folk. You got, and you found you had enough of God in you to, to withstand it without caving in and without bending and without going back home again and saying, God didn't call me to do this. You men know how many seeds tried to get planted to tell me I wasn't supposed to do what I was doing? More than you want to know about. But see, God gets enough in you so that you're stable and steady in him. And then you can fight off the lion and the bear. Amen. And then the giant. And so you, you, you know, the, the, he raised David like that. That's, that's the prophet's upbringing, period. You know, you just have to, you have to be able to withstand these lies and deception and crazy stuff. 
so that you, when you get out here, you'll stay. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you'll be able to put something in other people that will cause them to stay too. You see what I'm saying? So, so anyway, Habakkuk 2-4 is, is the scripture that Martin, Martin Luther found when he started the Protestant, what we call the Protestant Reformation. Until that time, the Catholic Church was in charge of Christianity, so to speak. And people felt like if you could pay your way into heaven, you could get in. It was by works. And of course, when you find churches that are by works, there's always money involved. I say that and I'm going to say it again. Religious places, churches that are by works, there's always money involved. Amen. Jesus threw them people out. He said, y'all supposed to be representing my father. It's supposed to be a house of prayer instead of merchandise. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean you can't sell stuff, have a bake sale, or raise, have fundraisers to help the work of God. Come on now. But they had far exceeded. They had started to dip into holy things. Amen. With their merchandise. And so God does not allow that. But, but Jesus upset the religious, um, system with the gospel. If, if you are preaching the gospel and the church is upset, then there's something wrong somewhere. See, if your preaching is upsetting them, somebody's not preaching the gospel. And so what, what happened was people hungered for the real thing. So my advice is if you're preaching the gospel, keep preaching it. See? It's a test for you to see how consistent you're going to be. And so if, if you're preaching what God has, has described in the Bible as the gospel, keep preaching it. The religious won't like it because they've settled into a nice comfortable system where they just want to keep going what's going. And the gospel always upsets the status quo. It always upsets what's established. That's why God will release the word into people that we hardly want to hear them say anything about God. Because he knows we're going to be upset. We might as well get upset for real. You understand what I'm saying? If we're upset in a subtle fashion, we might be able to lure them over to our way of thinking and get them neutralized. That's what they like. That's what religion does. As people say, uh, well, you know, God told me to come over here and, and, and join your ministry. I've heard this so many times. I say, well, you know, come on over, you know, and pretty soon they don't come. Well, you know, the, the pastor asked me to, to head this ministry. I said, has he ever asked you that before? Well, no, I've been, how long you been there? 15 years? They never asked you to do this before? No, uh-uh, this was new. Wonder why. It's like, get a clue, sister. Amen? Get plugged in. The religious are always, they know what's down the pipeline for you. Huh? They know when you sneak off. They know when you got something different from what they have. We had a bunch of Baptists go to a Benny Hinn with us one time. 
not even spirit-filled people. They said, we can tell y'all got the spirit. That's why we're here. I said, you want it? Oh, we all right. <laughs> no, you baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they don't want no parts of it. Amen. So religious people snoop around stuff of the spiritual all the time. They know everything pretty much is going on. You know, they're on the outside looking in. They never enter in, and they don't want anybody else going in either. So they'll eventually kick you out. If you keep growing in what God has for you, they'll find a way to kick you out or discredit you, neutralize you, point you out in front of everybody, talk about, give you a false prophecy that says you're a witch. You know, anything like that. They don't care what they do. If they can get rid of you, they they want you out. Amen. Or neutralize you. They they want to keep you around so they have somebody they can abuse. <laughs> you know, they's it's hateful like that. Amen. Well, if that's new to you, then praise God. Whatever. Listen, them people crucified Jesus. You think it's any, it's a small thing for them to beat up on you every Sunday. They like seeing you coming. They wonder why you keep coming to take their abuse. So Martin Luther alluded to the gospel when he said the just shall live by faith. And he had 96 complaints that he wanted to be debated in the church that was their their pattern to bring out the the evidence that they had for confronting these issues with the uh with the established church and so from that the preaching of the gospel started again after being dormant for probably about 600 years or more Amen. Um, preaching stopped around the, the second century and, and the church went underground. Amen. The, the disciples were so persecuted, you couldn't pay anybody to get up and start preaching the gospel until Martin Luther came on the scene. So God, this is God's pattern. He begins to work on somebody underneath the surface and then he releases them with their message. Amen. It mostly through the office of the prophet, even though most of these people won't understand what they're called to do or what office they're in. And that's okay too, but it has to have that certain projection, that certain level of faith on it before people will be able to hear it and receive the faith in their heart to follow the message. And so gospel faith is like that. It has to be preached. It has to be announced and God will will choose the right vessel, put the right anointing on their words, and release them at the proper time with the right message so that the gospel can be heard again. Amen. It can be received again. So there are times when persecution is very obvious and there's sometimes when it's subtle. And we've gone through, we're going through some persecution now. It's always there. But the way the church handles it differs from from uh situation to situation. And when I was a younger person in the seventies, there was a revival among young people called the Jesus movement, where uh there was a hippie movement where people were uh taking drugs, uh sexual promiscuity, very loose living, 
And it, that came to neutralize the movement that God had started of young people receiving Christ. There were tons of people that were baptized in the ocean in California, in the coastal cities of California, where they were actually born again. And they were receiving Christ. But on top of that were the hippies that came in with Satan's version of, of you know, living to neutralize it. And so that neutralization ended up with a compromise in the church. We we started to see these churches explode in size, but they weren't very powerful like they had been when they started the gospel. Now they're the seeker-friendly brand of churches, you know, where they don't really preach the gospel per se and want to offend anybody. You know, and it happens almost overnight. You know, um, the Osteens, Joel and his wife, said that they 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 didn't think it was right to te- preach doom and gloom to people, and to to uh, uh, what did they call it? I forget how they worded it, but you could see that there was compromise there. Now, as powerful as his father was, his father built that on on just raw evangelism. And people hungered and thirsted for that message. When you start doing seeker friendly, you got a lot of people who start staying at home. See, you got numbers, but you've constantly got to feed the beast. See, you got to stay on TV. You got to keep raising money. You got to keep, you understand, you got to feed the beast continually to keep those numbers up because they're not coming based on a spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst. So then all of a sudden people want to be identified with the big church in the city. So you get name recognition growth instead of preach the gospel growth, instead of gospel faith growth. Amen. God wants people saved. I don't know where where you come from, but he don't care how many people come and sit up there. Huh? Mother Teresa once said numbers aren't important. Somebody once tried to flatter her and say, you have the, we have such a large many. She says, the numbers aren't important. He said, what's important is you reach people and you reach them one person at a time. Hello? Jesus reached people one person at a time. You see his ministry and he touched people. They touched him. He preached to the multitude and the masses, but he also, people touched him. Huh? You got some preachers out there now. If somebody got close to them, they, ah, I'm melting. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They don't do people. Mm-hmm. The gospel must be preached, y'all. The reason churches are shut down, if we were preaching the gospel, is they'd be open. Because God would find a way to keep you open if you're doing what he wants you to do. But I think everybody needs to be taking inventory. Myself included. You never saw so many, God, what do I do now? God, what do I do? <laughs> remember me, God? Ooh, hi, ooh, hi. Worship you, praise you, here I am. Oh, it's a time to be checking yourself. 
Because if you've really been believing God for a, 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 a move of, of the power of God to do what the gospel says we do, he's got to prepare some people. And he's got to have a prepared, reliable people. People who get dressed up for service every day, even though he doesn't draft you. You know? People who are there waiting to be employed and aren't complaining about why the other people get all the attention and they don't. He'll let you sit on the shelf until you get the complaint out of you. Amen? Because he's got all the time in the world to do what he wants to do. He's on schedule. As far as God knows, he's on schedule. Amen? We're the ones who think we're running out of time. I was reading that parable again about the 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 uh, uh, workers in the field that were hired different times a day. And the last people hired late at night got the same pay as the ones who labored in the heat of the day. And when he asked them why they weren't working already, they said, no man hired us. Now see, that ought to make some people happy. All these people to get on Facebook and complain about, you know, the people that they're haters, you know, in, in, in their ministry. And you know they don't have one. And you know they're mad because they don't have anything to do. They need to get in their Bible and realize, you know, if, if people reject you and don't want you to preach and overlook you and all that kind of stuff, it makes no difference to God. And there are some, some legitimately gifted people out there to get overlooked. More often than not, they ain't as ready as they think they are. You understand what I'm saying? Because God, when God releases you, he releases you right where you are. He wants to see if you're going to be faithful where you don't get a lot of applause and where you don't get a lot of attention. Huh? Got to be faithful in little things first. Amen? But whenever God opens that door, that door for ministry swings open to you. You get the same reward as those who have worked and have had large mega crowds. And You understand what I'm saying? We all get the same crown. We're, we're, we're working toward the crown of life. And see, the less recognition you get down here, the more you're going to get up there. You forfeit a lot trying to live high down here. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's what my Bible says. You lay up treasures in heaven where the devil can't eat them up. People who do things for the applause of men, they have their reward. The Bible's real clear about these things. You do what you do in secret, you have a great reward. Huh? That's why people who pray, you ever notice people who really know God and who pray never have lack of anything? Huh? You go over to their house, they always got stuff in the cupboard. You go, you understand? <laughs> Brother Hagen said that when he, he was, uh, you know, he started his ministry, he said God told him this was the first phase of his ministry. God, he told God, he said, I've been pastoring for 15 years. He said, yeah, I know. I never told you to do that. 
He said, you're just getting ready to start, like I said, you're just getting ready to start this first phase of your ministry. But uh, when when Brother Hagen wound up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he was from Texas, and God told him to move to Tulsa. When he got there, he found that there was there were other ministries that flourished there. And he knew that was no accident. He knew somebody had plowed in the realm of the spirit for that dimension of ministry to go there and flourish, you know, almost unhindered. It was so easy to get things started there. And he said he began to ask God, he said, God, why is this so easy like this? He said, I'm not the only one here. Oral Roberts was there. There, The Osbournes were there. There was kind of like a hub for for a spiritual activity and, and sign and wonder ministries, which is kind of unusual. And so he bugged God and bugged God. And he said, God, I know somebody prayed to get this in here. And God told him, well, sure they did. And and he just begged God to let him meet. And he he only met one or two people. And he asked them what their prayer life was like. This one woman told him, she said, well, I pray, you know, like anybody go to a job, I pray 8 or 12 hours a day. He said, I, she said, I, I take a little break for a little soup at lunchtime. She said, because I combine mine with fasting. You understand what I'm saying? See, when you find out, you don't want to know. You sorry you asked. You understand what I'm saying? Because like, right. What a break for lunch. Soup. Oh, a little water, a little soup. So it's like, you, you don't want to know. <laughs> but, but see, these are the things that, that where your reward is. See, doing it in secret. You'll get rewarded openly because all she needed to do was see the things where she prayed in the realm of the spirit and saw a vision of Rama coming up. And that she's, oh, that, thank you, Lord. I know my praying was not in vain. I see it now. You allowed me to see it. Amen. Just like Anna, the prophetess in the Bible, she'd been in the temple praying day in and day out to see the Messiah. You know, like she's praying over 60 years every day. You see what I'm saying? And and she finally gets to see what she's been praying for. It says she served the Lord. She served him with fasting and prayer. And most of us, we think about ministry. And a fight somebody get up in a pulpit somewhere. So gospel faith is what what we need in the earth. We don't want fake faith. We don't want the worldly kind. We don't want the the confession with no relationship, with no covenant. We don't want the confession with no faith in God. We don't because because that's what the sinners do. See, there's motivational people that'll tell you you can speak it into existence. No, I don't want it. You understand what I'm saying? I want what comes from heaven. Amen. And heaven don't let you speak nothing into existence. You don't have a creative tongue. 
I'm going to say it again. Your tongue is, is, is dedicated to one or the other kingdom. It's not creative. We got masters we serve down here. Amen. You can either serve God or mammon. Amen. Not both. And so once you understand that, you understand that you're living in one kingdom or the other. You're putting a faith in one kingdom or the other. And you're getting the results of one kingdom or the other. You see what I'm saying? And so new age people will tell you you can do all of these things with your words. You can't do any of that stuff. You know, you think about the people that have done mind control um, programs over people. You think about the the Nazi regime in Germany. They had to silence every other voice that was not theirs in order to keep the people under control with their propaganda and their brainwashing. Now, if your words are so creative and so powerful, why did why the people who are working for the devil got to shut everything down just to keep you under control and keep you believing the lies they tell you? Huh? Because lies aren't as powerful as the truth. Because one person telling the truth of the gospel can wipe out all of that nonsense. Amen? Convert the people. That's what Jesus did, and that's why the Pharisees hated him. The religious... And the worldly will hate you because of the force and power behind your words. Because they can work and, and try all day long to persuade people and barely keep them hanging on to hear their next sentence. And you come in and get a whole room of people converted just because you tell them God loves them. And God shows up and confirms it. So everywhere Jesus went, he preached the gospel of the kingdom of heaven that was coming to bear on the world that they lived in. And he won tons of people over. They were falling like flies out of the synagogue into his, in following him wherever he went. He didn't have a building to crowd them into. He didn't have any place to take them. But whenever he showed up to preach, they followed him and they believed his words. Because this was a whole new system of believing that God had released into the earth. The foolishness of preaching. Now this preaching was not new in that culture. The Greeks did it. The Romans did it. They called it oratory. And they gave speeches in the public squares. And they would have killed to get the crowds Jesus got. Because when you're, you're, you're just saying dead words, people are, oh, we've heard this before. You know, they, they got to the point, elocution, eloquence, all of those words came from that era. They would practice speaking with pebbles in their mouths to see if they could articulate well enough. It was like a, a, a contest or it was a thing to do. It was something that was applauded. And here comes Jesus and says, repent. Kingdom of heaven is in hand. Come on, y'all, follow me. Turn away from your sins, your wicked ways. And they followed him in droves. When the Bible says multitudes, they mean more than just a couple hundred. They mean multitudes. 
5,000 almost minimum when you think about it because you think about those people that if he fed, that puts a number on what the Bible means when they said multitudes. When they said he was in somebody's house ministering and the crowds were so thick at the door they couldn't get the sick inside the door anymore for the multitudes of people. There's got to be a hunger out there already for that faith. There's got to be a hunger out there already. There is a hunger in the hearts of humanity to hear the gospel. And yet we try to figure out how we're going to fix it up so that somebody will say yes to Jesus. And it's not even about that. It's about just saying what you know. And saying what God puts on your heart to say to whosoever. Amen. And so when when we talk about gospel faith, it's the faith of the Son of God. It's the faith that comes from faithful repetition of what Jesus preached and what he taught. And by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's it's the timing of God. It's the unction of God. So you've got to prepare yourself for this this type of ministry. You have to read your Bible. You gotta be born again yourself. You gotta obey the Spirit of God. You gotta have a relationship with God. Amen? But it's amazing how that can come together so quickly in us. When we were first saved, we told everybody about Jesus. Amen? And then God kind of pulled us back and reined us in and taught us some more. Then you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. You start speaking in tongues. Amen? So God equips us as we go. We get healed as we go. We get empowered as we go. All of these experiences with God are our preparation. So you don't have to just go and say, well, God, prepare me. He's doing that already. Amen. You can trust him for that part and just be faithful in what he calls you to do. So, so the, the, we say that this word faith is pretty much a New Testament word. It was part of the Protestant reformation or the revelation that came to it looks like one individual but probably more god never just gives it to one he gives it to whosoever so anybody who's seeking got this and as it was preached more people received it till we we've got to where we are now in god's kingdom where it's it's now um more, you know, before, in years past and dispensations past, it was mostly ministers that did the bulk of the preaching. Now the emphasis is going to be on believers. In fact, it has been on believers for at least the past 100 years. Now there have been little, little, uh, smatterings of it, um, movements like the Salvation Army. That was a believer's movement, but they weren't spirit-filled. See what I'm saying? So there's been a hunger to release believers to do the works of God. But if the enemy can steal a piece of it from you, you don't have the empowered believer to go out and do Mark 11, 16, 17, and 18. And so the the enemy likes to steal portions from the from the movement and and from the revelation that the movement is carrying to cripple the church so that 
he can make fun of us. Well, look at you. You went out there talking about God to heal somebody. He ain't healed nobody yet. What you think you're doing out here? Amen. Now, there have been people who have had healing ministries and didn't pray in tongues. Raw faith in the word will sometimes do it. But but God wants us to be fully empowered. He doesn't want us to be lacking in anything. Amen. Praying in tongues is better for you than it is for anything else you might do. It keeps you sane. <laughs> keeps you in the love of God. Keeps you from going shipwrecked. Amen. <laughs> so there's a purpose to every gift and every ability that he gives us. So so when when we start talking about the faith, the gospel faith, we're talking about the faith that came with that message that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. If you turn to Matthew chapter four, I didn't mean to just go so long like this, but. You know, you you got to come up to date. You got to be thinking in terms of what God's doing now, not just you know with you and in your place where you are, but we have a place in the overall scheme of things. Uh, um, <clears throat> Matthew four, thank you, Jesus. In verse twenty three, it says, "And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom." healing all manner of diseases and all manner of sickness among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. So if you as a believer are going to get famous or you want to be famous, you better get famous preaching this gospel and preaching it to the degree that God begins to confirm it with signs following. Jesus, This is Jesus' pattern. It has never deviated. This is what the call of God is to do the works of God and not have excuses and not have reasons for missing pieces. Amen. So we're to stay on our knees before God until all the pieces come together so that we can do the works of God. We can preach with that faith and that confidence that causes the signs to follow that when you preach, God wants you well, people actually get healed. When you preach that, that the Satan has no dominion over you, devils leave people. Amen. And, and you're not trying to give a watered down message that just gets you out there for what you want and God doesn't get any glory out of it. Everywhere Jesus went, his father was glorified. Everything he did, his father was glorified. So he's our example as to what, what, what we're to be doing and, and how we're to be doing it. Jesus came as the word made flesh. Everything he preached was validated by the Father. When he spoke, faith went out of his mouth. And when others believed it, they got the benefit of that faith. Amen. And so this is the gospel pattern. You are to preach faith. You're to have number one. You're to believe what you are preaching. You can't get up there and just repeat something like the sons of Sceva. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? You have to be known in heaven. You have to be known by God. And he release you to preach his word because he trusts you with his word. So when they receive the word, 
they received faith in what Jesus was telling them. And then the father confirmed the word with signs following. It's just that simple. Our job is to fill our hearts with faith. We are to be the word made flesh, just like Jesus would. Meditate on the word. Believe the word. Believe that when when that unction comes upon you, God is working with you. And he will confirm that word with signs following. Amen. So Jesus really was a walking faith generator. Amen. He walked around spreading faith in what he was saying to people. And as people believed what he said and began to act on that faith, they received the benefit of his word. That's why people would look at him and say, we never seen anything like, we never saw it on this fashion before. Why? The gospel was new. It was, that's why it's called good news. The news is that you don't have to live in sin anymore and reap the, the, the penalty of your sin. You can be forgiven and you can enter into the kingdom where everything is provided for you. Where everything is good. And God provides for your holiness. He provides your righteousness. He justifies you. He keeps you going. Amen. And so this this is what Jesus talked about. This is what he taught. Amen. Belief in Jesus or belief in the word equals faith. So when you believe God's word, you are operating in gospel faith. Amen. Believe that Jesus Christ is alive and living, there's salvation in no other name. There's no other name given among men under heaven whereby men must be saved. Amen? You're saved under heaven. You're not saved after you get there. You understand? It's no second chance. you got to do it down here. Amen? So that faith now resides in you when you hear the gospel message. When you put faith in God, that faith now, and, and that faith is what connects you to God. The woman with the issue of blood realized that. She said to herself, if I can connect myself to Jesus, I can be healed. When we connect ourselves to God by faith, we receive the benefits of that faith. Amen? And so we, the faith that, that he preaches that we receive now resides in us to use for our benefit. So whatever we desire, we can ask for it. And he promises to provide it to us. Amen. Because you reside in him and his word resides. You let that word live in you. In other words, you're not hearing a new word here and there to grab it. And, you know, this ain't a grab and go situation. This is an abiding situation. Amen. You let that word begin to live in you. What do we mean when we say the word abides in us? Well, if if God, if you have a word of healing on the inside of you, and somebody else around you is sick, you offer that word to them. That's abiding in you. That means it lives in you enough that it produces through somebody else or produces outside of you. You can't have that word just in you and you alone and you go feast on it and let everybody else stay sick. Hello? 
See, a lot of people are scared. I was scared to tell people Jesus would heal them. I'm not anymore. Interesting about that, huh? And see, God healed me before I even was in a church. See, I knew him as healer. That's how I met him. But I I wasn't sure he would do it for everybody I talked to. Or it took some time for me to get that confidence that when he says he's no respecter of persons, he really means that. And when he says preach it and tell it, he really means that. Amen? And so, and I remember when when I it started to dawn on me, I said, oh God, I said, I see that. You know, I would read Mark 16. I said, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I said, you healed me and I'm supposed to be going praying for other people to get the same thing I got. See, I got mine the hard way, so to speak. But now I can shorten that for the sake of the kingdom and lives of other people. I can lay hands on them and you'll heal them, God. I remember, <laughs> where was I at? I don't know. I remember stopping my nephew. I had my nephew, Stephen. Y'all, this ain't Dewey's baby son. Amen. And I had, I know what it was. I had sold him a car that I had. And he still owed me some like $50. And I saw him on, he was driving beside me in my car. And I said, hey, where's my money? And he started laughing. Oh, auntie, auntie, where you going? So we pulled off. I said, pull on over there. Get my money. So when we got out, I noticed he had a crutch under his arm. And I said, what's wrong with your foot? He said, I still, I said, that's from that same injury you had all that long time ago. He said, yeah, he said, it's still hurting me. It's still bad. I said, come here, let me pray for you. So I forgot about the $50. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it had to be God to make me let, you know, get up off of him, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so, so I, I laid hands. I said, give me that foot. I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. And I laid hands on, pray for him. And I told him, I said, you healed. I said, now, now walk on him and stomp on it. And so he got in his car and left. And he later told me, he said, you know what, auntie? He said, I went to the mall. He said, I left my crutch in my car. He said, when I got all the way to the store, I realized I didn't have my crutch anymore. This was some, some, Maybe a couple of years later, he shared that with me. He said, he said, my, he said, when I get around my buddies and they start making fun of Benny Hinn and people, I said, man, don't be talking like that about them people. That stuff is real. He said, and I tell him my aunt prayed for me and my foot was healed. He said, I never needed that crutch a day after that. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's how simple it is to pray for the sick. That's how easy it is to pray the gospel prayer. We can do this until we get, you know, sidetracked by religion. You know, the the curveball comes when you get around religious people that want to put a lot of conditions on it other than faith. But I'm telling you, if we'll stay true to the message, that same gospel faith that Jesus that released out of his mouth when he preached to the multitudes, when you preach to your one or your two or whoever it is, that same faith goes out where they are able to believe God for their miracle and he will confirm the word with signs following. It's just that simple. So Jesus went about preaching everywhere, preaching the kingdom, teaching, healing, 
doing everything the kingdom entails. Amen. And, and he preached repentance where people had to know that they were in error and know that God would forgive them. And that's probably the greatest part of living for God is to live as a forgiven person, to live a holy life, to live a sinless life, to live a life where you, you get a second and a third and a fourth chance. Amen. And then God is never done with you in, in Romans uh, chapter one. This, this is a very powerful statement because many times people don't put much confidence in their testimony. They don't put much confidence in the words that they share with people. Amen. You can, you can be having a not so holy like day. You know what I'm saying? A day where you feel like, eh, let me go back to bed and start all over again. But, but the word of God is still in you. And, and the apostle Paul says, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes to the Jew first, but also the Greek for in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. So you're preaching a word that will be revealed to the person that hears it. That the power and the truth of that word will be revealed to the person that hears it. And so it's like a little time bomb, if you will, exploding out of your mouth. And when it lands on the ears of a person, many times people don't believe the first time they hear. But if you think that word's going to leave them alone, I got another thought for you. That word follows them. What does the Bible say? The word is active. It's alive. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's cutting whether they show blood or not. If they don't bleed in front of you, that word is still cutting. You understand what I'm saying? If it don't draw tears the first time, it'll draw something. But that is a life changing. It is the power of God. Just the gospel itself. That's the power of God. See, there's no reason for us to try to alter it, fix it up, change it, make it pretty, put a bow on it, take the sting out of it. See, that's what many Christians do. They want to water it down enough so that they can be acceptable. Well, this ain't your gospel. You understand what I'm saying? This isn't your word. You didn't shed blood for this power to come into the earth. And you owe it to your loving Savior to preach it out just like he gave gives it to you. There are some people who, who have a, a pretty preach. Some people have a rough preach. We need them all. There's some nice people out here and there's some rough people. And it's amazing some of the people that look the most pleasant and the nicest is the roughest ones. Huh? Because they can withstand the truth a long time compared to some of the people just right off the street start crying in a minute. I want Jesus. I used to know him when I was a little kid. I want him back. Amen. So, so this, this gospel is the power of God. This is all we need to release into the earth so that people can come in and hear, and hear what the kingdom is all about. 
We don't have to dress it up fancy. We don't have to take the, the word of God out of it. Leave the word of God in it. There are some times people need to hear certain things. Because God has prepared them to spare them for the judgment to come. They need to hear certain things. And see, the more you you abide in him, the more you're like him, and the more your word is appropriate to the right person in the right situation. See, you get so much more so much like Christ, you don't even care to try to think that something's wrong with the way you deliver. You know? We're quick to want to criticize ourselves and you know, people get offended when we say something. That didn't stop you from saying it when you was in the world. I mean, some of us live to upset people. Huh? We didn't feel like we had a good day if somebody wasn't mad at us. Huh? I've been wanting to give him a piece of my mind. You know how that goes. So why are we all pretty fine now? We need to give it just like God gives it to us. Amen. Just like it's written. Amen. When Jesus defied Satan, he said it is written. He he gave it back to him just like it was written. Amen. And so we have to understand how to trust God's word. How to trust God. How to trust him for the delivery of things. See, sometimes you'll say things by unction. And then you go away and, and a little bit later say, Ooh, that was kind of rough. I didn't. See, that's after, that's afterthought. We don't preach by afterthought. We preach by faith. And when faith tells you to spit it out there, you spit it out there the best way you know how to spit it out there. You're doing this by faith. You don't have time to rethink it and pull it back and make it pretty. That ain't your job. Your job is to preach it just like he put it out there. Jesus called the religious people that had all the money and had the big crowd. He called them snakes and vipers. Now, when you get that rough, that's when you start worrying. But until you get there, you preach it just like he gives it to you. Amen. You preach by faith. And you believe God is going to confirm that word with signs following. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your spoken word. Thank you, Lord, that the just live by faith. We don't live by overthinking and fixing stuff up, watering it down. It's not our job. We repent if we ever thought of doing such a thing. Your gospel is full of glory. It's the glorious gospel that will lead men the right way to repentance and into the kingdom. And so, Father, we thank you that we are people who can make the path straight. No crooked ways here. We have a straight path into your kingdom. And we thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. All right, let's do our declaration. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen.